lift up your hands and pray. Woo. How many are ready to be delivered? Pray for me. <laughs> pray for me. Because I believe there's encouragement what I want to share with you today. But I'm going to tell you one reason I believe it is because, and I'll just tell you, because you know we're, just because we stand up here on a, on a platform, a podium stage, whatever we do, it doesn't mean that everything's peachy. It doesn't mean everything's just going fine. In fact, the enemy tries to come against people who are trying to do something to encourage and to lift up the name of Jesus. And I'm going to tell you, he's tried to do that to me this morning, and I have decided, and tell me if you agree with me, that I'm not having it. I'm not putting up with it. And here's where it is right here, under my feet. You know why? Because he's a good, good father. That's who he is. That's all that matters, because that's who he is. And it doesn't matter what anything or anyone tries to do to me. I'm going to bring to you what I think the Lord's laid on my heart. And I encourage you today to just press into how good he is. Not what I'm saying. Not what this is. But that you press into who he is. And I hope this shows you some of that today. You know, we talked last week about Christmas a little bit. This is Christmas, so I'm talking about Christmas in a different light as sort of the, the title of this series. And I was thinking about this. I've been thinking about Christmas so much about how, how as a kid, you know, you, you had a lot of questions about Christmas. But mainly as a kid, as a child, what you thought about Christmas is, what am I going to get for Christmas, right? Even if you were taught like I was, that, well, Jesus is the reason for the season. It's all about Jesus. I was taught that. Many of you may have been. Many of you may not have been. But... Nonetheless, when you're a child, it doesn't matter how much you know about that. When Christmas time rolls around, you want to know what you're going to get for Christmas. Right? I mean, that's, that's okay. And, uh, you know, I would also think about questions like with, with Santa and whether people, you know, believe. We didn't glorify Santa in our home, but we didn't ignore it either, any more than a Christmas tree or wrapping presents or other traditions. But I always wondered if Santa, if I was going to make it on the naughty list, or the nicest. You know the song, right? Whether you're naughty or nice. How many of people think which list I was on? Christina raised her hand on the naughty list. <laughs> I was wondering what list I was going to be on. I remember one time when I was a little kid thinking, I hope Santa, this is like little kid. And I still sort of maybe believe there was and didn't understand all the differences of it. But I knew about Jesus because I was raised in church and but I remember thinking, I hope Santa doesn't know everything Jesus knows. Because <laughs> I know Jesus knows everything, but maybe Santa doesn't know everything Jesus knows. Because if so, I might not get anything this year. I always wonder, too, another question about what am I going to get for Christmas? Am I going to get this, like, gift, like, socks? <laughs> or am I going to get, like, what I actually want, like some awesome toy? 
And I remember my kids. Let me bring those up. I'm going to give you a quick illustration. My kids, and maybe yours are like this too, and I just want to just show you this. Like this is what Christmas is with, with, with kids. Just hold that for a second. You can stand up here. Isn't she beautiful? Thank you, Lord, for a wonderful wife. Beautiful on the inside and the outside, I must say. Amen. So I remember my children, all of them, in fact, when they were younger. I'm not young children now. Christmas Day, it's pajamas. They're all out there. Everybody's excited. Run in to get the presents. And, of course, we had to always you know, take turns because they would open everything in five minutes. The whole thing would be over. So they'd get their present, and they'd look at it, and they were trying to pick out which one. And when they, the big one, they'd always sort of save the biggest one to last because they wanted to make sure, you know, they had something to look forward to. And I remember our kids would always be like this, every one of them, every time. This is if they were opening this particular present. Open it and pretend I'm them for a moment. Toys! Yay! 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 And it's like this. They, I remember one time my son got a present like this, and well, it wasn't like this. So let me say it was my daughter. <laughs> and it, this is my little pony. This is for the donation today. But I remember they screamed at the top of those, "My little pony!" They were so excited, or whatever the toy was. It was like, "My little pony!" Yeah. I'm not exaggerating. I was, I'm understating it, if anything. Yay, dancing, running around, all excited. That was this man. And we're like, yeah, good, all right. And then they get their next present. Thank you, dear. And this is the next one they get. They open it up. Boy, I'm excited. I got my little pony. This, look at this box. It's nice. Literally, and I mean literally, that's what they did. Tossed it aside. And it had clothes in it or socks in it or something like that. <laughs> that's what it was, man. They didn't care about that. They were always wondering what do they want, and what they wanted was what they wanted and not what you wanted to give them. You know, so we ask questions like that as kids. What am I going to get for Christmas? Now, when you get older, it changes a little bit. The questions change a little bit. When you're older and an adult or you have a family, you're not asking yourself, hey, what am I going to get for Christmas or what's going to be under the tree for me? You're saying, how am I going to pay for what's under the tree? Right? I know I am. But then you start asking other questions maybe about, how am I going to keep my family together in the long run as an adult? These are the kind of things you start thinking about. And questions get bigger than that in, in, in our personal lives or maybe amongst our, in our family when we talk to each other or just questions that we have is, why am I here? What's the meaning of life? What's the, what's the reason for Is this as good as it gets? Get up. Make breakfast, get the kids to school. I'm not saying this is everybody, but at some point, maybe. Go to work, come back, make dinner, get the kids in bed, go to sleep, get up the next day, rinse and repeat. <laughs> as good as it gets. 
If there's a God out there, why do things happen? Why do hurricanes happen? Why do earthquakes happen? Why do wildfires, you know, right now going on? Why does that happen? These are questions that we ask when we're older. Kids don't ask that stuff. They just want to know. I'm getting this. At Christmas, those are the questions that they ask. And we as adults think, think about things much, much differently. And today we're going to talk about some of this that, that's going to be captured in a, a little bit of the scripture I want to read out of Matthew uh, chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, and I'm going to start saying this because that's just the way it is. If you have your Bibles, you can hold it up and it's great. Thank you. Here's mine. I got it. I read it. I also have it on here. <laughs> so if you got your Bible or your devices, I will say, wherever the Word of God is, let's consume it. Amen. <laughs> Care where it is because this has got every version of the Bible too in, in, on this or the iPad or whatever. It is. So last week we looked at sort of how Christmas is through the eyes of, of shepherds, and today I'm going to look at Christmas through the eyes of some people who uh, Matthew wrote about. In fact, it's the only place where this portion of the Christmas story is chronicled in the book of Matthew. Some call them the wise men. Some uh, call them the magi. And uh, there's, i got to just tell you this. I was thinking I might or I might not. I'm going to. So either forgive me or tell me later afterwards. You shouldn't have done that. There's a story. How many of you are from the South originally? Are we all mostly Southerners in here? And if you're not, it's fine. I love y'all. Love y'all. But I, I don't know if you know from me speaking here a little bit, but I'm from the South. Can you tell my voice a little bit? I'm proud to be from the South. It's okay if somebody's from somewhere else, no problem. I'm just saying, I'm from the South, I'm proud of it. But there's a story of this guy who had come down from the South, from Boston. He's from the Northeast. A lot of people call them, uh, in the South, I, I don't necessarily, but they call them Yankees. Anybody ever called somebody a Yankee? Okay, Yankees. Boston. They get in the car. <laughs> My son Jackson could do a great Boston accent. I can't that much. They got in the car drove to the south. This guy came down to the south, and he came to this little community, and he saw, it was at Christmas time, and he saw this wonderful nativity scene in the main street square of this little community. It was beautiful. They had worked up all of these nice little lighting and the, and the different areas, and they had painted things, and it was just all very well done and very quaint and beautiful. But there was one thing different about this nativity scene that he had never seen before. And of course, he's in the south, not normally something he where he was, being from Boston, being a Yankee, <laughs> whatever. And, and, he, and he saw on the three wise men, there were, they were wearing fire helmets. Anybody ever seen anything like that? I, I haven't either. But, so he was curious about that, and he's looking, he's like, man, these guys are wearing fire helmets. And he's standing there, and he's looking, and he looks at how beautiful everything else was, the manger, Joseph and Mary, the, the animals. The wise men are wearing fire helmets. You usually see them wearing these other kind of headdresses or whatever. And he didn't know what that was. He was confused by it. But he finally tried to just put it all together and just decided, I don't know what this is. Probably some significance. But he quit trying to figure it out and he left. So he's driving out of town and he wanted to stop and get something. So he pulled into a 7-Eleven. And uh, as he pulled into the 7-Eleven, he went in, got whatever he wanted. He went to the lady behind the counter and he said, Hey, you know, I was just curious. Could you tell me why the wise men were wearing fire helmets in the nativity scene? 
And she was like, got angry and just, you know, sort of just started shaking and her face turned red and she was so upset. And he was noticing that and she was like, you Yankees don't know anything about the Bible now, do you? And, and he said, well, um, no, I, I, I do. I know a little bit about the Bible. He said, well, you, you must not have ever read the Bible and read the Christmas story. He said, well, yes, ma'am, actually I have. I've, I've read it. And I just, I was just trying to figure out why they're wearing the fire helmets. She got her Bible out. She looked through, came to the passage and came up and looked at it and turned to the right page and came up to it and folded it like that and went up to him. And she says, can't you see this right here? Can't you see this right here? It said the wise men came from afar. I'm a, the wise men came from afar. The south, afar. came from afar. Say it again. All right. Tell me later if you thought that was really bad. <laughs> Let me ask you this, something that you might know about. I'm going to ask you and just yell out the answer to whatever extent you feel comfortable. How many wise men were there? Wrong. Many people think that, and it's okay. Hate to burst your bubble, but nobody knows if there were three. What most people know is that there were three gifts, right? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So most people associate that with there being three, but all we know is that there were men, so we can assume from that that there were more than one, okay? But that doesn't mean that there were three. Maybe there could be dozens. It's it's hard to say. There's nothing that could tell you that you're 100% sure about that. Another thing that we don't know is where they're from. Some people say it was Persia, some say Babylon, some say the places I've read it say Yemen. Uh, even a couple of accounts say they were as far away as India or China. Again, we don't know, and we cannot be 100% sure. Another thing is that we, not, that we don't know or 100% sure about it, were they kings? Again, maybe they were, but again, we don't know. But one of the probably most widely accepted theories about what they were suggests that they were astrologers or members of what would be defined as a priestly religious class of some kind, it would be from Persia, in that case, known as the Magi. This is a flower that I got from Israel that fell out of my Bible when I was telling that joke. I don't want to lose that. (laughs) And a Magi means skilled magicians or uh, astrologers, okay? So, in other words, they were interested in things of the supernatural, really. I mean, they were uh, people that, again, not, there's not, it's not recorded in the Scripture in any definitive way, but a lot of people think that that's what it was. Magi is, is a word in the Greek that comes up. So, we don't know a lot of things about it, but we do feel like they were interested in that, and that that's where, where they were. They were uh, astrologers or what have you, known as magi. We do all, What we do know is that we think they were, I should say, looking for the answers to the meaning of certain questions because that's what they were doing as they looked into the sky. And, you know, maybe you've done that. I don't know if anybody here has. I'm not suggesting you do, and I don't, I, I, I don't do that. But I'm not going to criticize anybody, but maybe people have checked to try to find out the answers to things in their lives by looking at horoscopes, you know. Uh, I, again, I'm, I'm not, I don't do that, and I would not recommend that, and certainly don't think that's a good idea. I'm just saying, but maybe some people do. I'm not going to judge you or criticize you if you do. I would counsel you maybe otherwise, but, but some people do that. There are other people that look for people in, uh, to find answers in things uh, 
going to people that, that, that foretell your future. You know, palm readers or, or psychics or, or whatever. Again, don't recommend that. Not say, I'm just saying that people do. And I would say in a group this size, I would be surprised. I'm not going to ask, and it doesn't matter, that there are people who have either done that in the past at some point or another who may even do it today. don't know. But there are people, you know, who do that. And uh, even if you, some people look at horoscopes, even if they don't really believe in it, but they just sort of look at it for one reason or another. Another thing uh, that you might do if you're interested in finding out answers is read. I recommend that more, but some people read a lot of books about spirituality or um, religions, world religions, uh, even atheism and Christianity, um, to, to try to find certain answers. And um, at this point, when you're when you're a person that's looking for answers in your life, no matter what way you're looking for them or what the reason or what the questions are, I believe that you're looking for one particular thing. You want someone to answer the question, generally speaking, of why. It may be why this, why that. There could be a lot of other things, but there's a lot of of whys there. And in that, if you can relate to that question in any way, shape, or form, and relate to that circumstance, you have something in common with the Magi. And that is that you're looking for an answer. You're looking for an answer. And let's look at what it says in Matthew. If you look at chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, I'm going to read from this from the English Standard Version. And then I'm going to jump to verse 9 and 10 just to, just to cover the, the certain part of this, uh, this narrative in, that Matthew wrote about this. And it says this in uh, chapter 2, verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, Wise men from the east, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And then going to verse 9 it says, And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star... They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Now, I don't know if you caught that part of what it is, but I'm just going to say how I see this. They were looking. How would they see the star if they weren't looking in the sky, right? That's what I'm trying to. I'm visualizing this, and there's a little bit of hypothesis or speculation in this, but there are other people that sort of adopt this. These guys are looking at the star because that's something they studied or that they sort of believed in, looking for signs, looking for answers. Here they are. They see this star. And, of course, then supernaturally they were led to, to go. And and I think, again, because those guys, the magi, these, these wise men were looking for answers. And answers only come when you have questions, right? You don't need answers if you don't have questions. And you and I may have questions about God, not questioning his existence or anything like that, although maybe some here may do that. Does anybody have any questions about God in here today? I don't see any hands raised. Now, this existence now, do you have any questions about God, about Him? Do you do you wonder why maybe there's so much suffering in the world if God is such a good God that we talked about before? He's a good, good Father. Why is there suffering? Why, are there, why do all these things happen? 
That's a question. It's not a criticism or anything. It's a question. That's why I'm asking, does anybody have questions? I do. And I can give you my answers, what I believe is, is, is contained here. But it, it's a question that a lot of people struggle with. Same thing like creation you know, and science. There are people that get caught up in all that and how to reconcile those things together. Or about all these different religions and what they mean and the differences between them and what, the, what good they do, what purpose are they. But I'll tell you this, that the one thing that we know about the Magi, we don't know a lot of things, but we know one thing is that they didn't know the God that Mary and Joseph knew. They didn't know the God that is the God of the Old Testament. They weren't Jewish, okay? They didn't come up in that. They didn't feel like that was something that was, that was their uh, understanding of how, how they did it. They, they, of course, didn't know what Jesus was going to do in his life, what he was going to accomplish, what ultimately would happen, and the outcome of his ministry. They just had questions. That's, the, that's what they did. They were seeking, and they were looking for answers, and they had questions about maybe the same things that we do, questions about life, about eternity, about what's going to happen after I die, about God, about all kinds of things, one thing or another, many questions like we have amongst ourselves here today. Some of those things we've got resolved in our faith, but you still may have questions about it. I believe they did. But their questions were such that whatever it is that they were looking for, that they were willing to travel hundreds or maybe, depending on where they came from, thousands of miles. And that's not like we travel today. We travel today, and we think about that as nothing. To do that, that could take months and years, right, to get from one place to another. They were so interested and so intense about the answers they were looking for, that they were going to follow that star to wherever it led, however many hundreds or thousands of miles that would have been. They were interested in finding the answer. And so I'm going to ask you this. Do you ever wonder what it would take to get a satisfactory answer to the question of, let's say, suffering? Because we've all suffered. Is there anybody in here not suffered in their life? One form or another. Some people are suffering right now. Facing challenges, difficulties. What would it take to get a satisfactory answer, talking about an answer, a reasoned explanation to you about that? Could anyone ever say anything so powerful, so profound, so definitive that it would settle? And that's just that one question, suffering. You could go into other areas. Something that would be so profound, so specific, so definitive that it would answer that question. It, it would, would, have, you, have you thought about that? That would it settle it? I often think, for me, that I'd like to see an answer that would resolve all doubt in my mind about anything that I may not have absolute certainty about or anything that I'm not just believing my faith. I'd like to do that. Maybe it would make the world a better place if we did. I thought that. But I'll tell you this. This is what I've thought as I've gone through this and thought about these things. And a question for all of us here. Who questioned? Whatever the questions are. Again, I'm not saying the existence of God. There might be somebody here that does question that, as I said. But I'm talking about any question. Whatever it is. For those of us that are trying to find the answer to a question, for those of us who are questioners, (laughs) what if the answer 
to these questions, be it the deep and big questions or even the other questions in your life, what if it wasn't an answer that we actually were looking for? What if it was a person? What if it was a person that we were looking for? Has anybody ever faced struggles or doubts? I've asked earlier. I did and have and will again, I'm sure, about many things. I'll tell you one really quick. One was there was a time, and maybe many of you remember it, where I was born and raised in the church, born and raised in the ministry. I saw every, and, and there was a time, and I was a believer, and I was, I believe, called into the ministry, and I was excited about things. And there was a time where a lot of people in very high visibility places in ministry failed. And it all seemed to happen at once. It was like all cascading at once. It was moral failure. It was financial improprieties. It was all kinds of things that these men of God and people of God in ministry in high-profile places were doing that caused the collapse of what they did. Here's how I struggled with that. It affected me because all of a sudden I'm trying to reconcile in my mind is all this stuff that I believed in all these years and all these people who I have put in a place where I thought they were out preaching the word of God and everything, is this a bunch of hooey? I'm just going to tell you like it was. Is this a bunch of nonsense? Are these guys hypocrites? It's a word that came up a lot. Man, and I struggled with this, and the enemy used this to divide me and to, and to discourage me and to make me question all kinds of things. And I'm sharing this with you because I want you to know I'm like you. And I could give you other examples. I'm just telling you one that just comes into my mind. It was serious. It really discouraged me, disillusioned me. Because I then had questions that made me question everything. Is all of this stuff I've been that I believed in and all of these things that I believe that I had true experiences with God. Now don't get me wrong. I was saved. I was I was on fire for God. I was living for God. I was filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's not it. But still, you can still have questions. That's, that's I guess, my point in, in sharing that. And there are things that happen in our lives. That was one that happened to me that make you question things. Now, if somebody could have produced an answer to if a question like that, why did these guys do all that? If they were all big, why did that happen? Or why am I here? Or any of these other big questions in our life. Why are these things happening to me? Why do, good, why do bad things happen to good people? If you had, if there was, rather, a definitive, powerful, profound, specific statement that would solve all those things, don't we think that we would have heard it by now? Somebody would have come up with this by now in 2017, and wherever it was they came up with it, as soon as they did, we're going to know about it. Because of technology and everything else, you can say something on the other side of the world in a remote place, and if somebody's got a phone or an Internet connection, it's going to get up there. And if it's profound or it's newsworthy, everybody's going to know about it. So we would have heard that answer if it had been something that had come up before. But it hasn't. There's not been that kind of an answer. And even if you heard that answer, let's say that we had and there was, that that did, oh, yeah, there it was. That's what I've been waiting for all this time. That's the answer I've been looking for. Would it change the fact that there would still be suffering? Would it change the circumstances of your life if you had the answer? Would it change it? 
No, it wouldn't. See, this is what, and you look at the lives of these guys, the Magi, they followed a star looking for an answer, but what they found was a child. What they found was a person, and when they found him, they worshipped him. A person, not an answer. I'm going somewhere with this. I'm tell you, have you ever, right, like as a kid, I remember this. I remember one time I stubbed my toes so bad. It was not one of those stubs where you bump it into something and you're like, oh, man, <laughs> ow. It was one of those, like, scrape the skin off bleeding badly stubs about barefoot running around. And I didn't think about it at all somebody coming up and giving me the answer of what I needed to do with that toe. Well, here's what you need to do. You need to wash it. You need to put the ointment on. You need to put this bandage on. You need to change it. I wasn't interested in an explanation. I was interested in a person. And that person was my mom coming and giving me a hug, telling me everything's going to be okay. Didn't need an answer. Needed a person. There's times when there's been times in our lives, I'm sure, in mine, where I have been uh, slighted or offended or a, a friend has snubbed you. Has that ever happened to anybody? I've probably done it to people in my life, and it's been done to me. That's happened. And at that time, I'm not looking for, you know, i got to go find somebody to give me a detailed psychological breakdown of the explanation. I need an answer as to why they did that. No, I didn't. I needed a person to come and love on me. That's what I needed. And what I did is I, I remember times when some things like that had happened. And I remember one time going to my grandmother's house in Goldsboro, North Carolina. And when I walked in there, there was nothing but love. And when she knew I was coming, she'd always make this potato salad. It was potatoes that she made and boiled, and it was warm. It was warm. She made it all with the ingredients and everything, and she put the tin foil over the top of it to keep it warm. And I remember when I walked in there, I knew that she was there to love me because she had that potato salad ready for me. I wasn't looking for an answer when I was in those discouraged times. I remember one time when I went there, I was. I was looking for somebody to love me, and I knew she did because there was that potato salad. With the temple on, just like you like it, Billy. Gave me a hug. My dad's mother. You remember that potato salad? Woo, that was good. <laughs> that was good stuff. I was looking for a person. See, and so if you've had a loss in your life or, or, or something where you're looking for more than an answer, you can look for a person. In confusing times, having that right person walk in the room instantly will make you feel better. Instantly. I'm going to tell you a story really quick about my dad. He was in the hospital. You've heard this maybe before. He had leukemia. Very serious. There was a doctor, Dr. Cruz, who was a renowned specialist in his field, happened to be right there in the, in the area where we were. And this doctor had talked to him, but then had to, she said, I need to speak to you. And she came and she says, you're the one that they told me I need to talk to. Here's what it is. Your dad is probably going to die. He's bracing me for it. I don't know if that's what she told him. That's what she told me. And you need to make sure that his affairs are in order. I'm sitting there at the night, as you can imagine, devastated and shocked and scared to death. No, this can't be happening. You can talk. 
So now I had to get myself together and get a will and make sure that his affairs are together. I don't know anything about doing a will. I'm not a lawyer. I had to go get a will together. There was issues with life insurance. Some of you won't go into all the details of it. Some complicated things about life insurance that he had that had to be resolved. I happened to have a friend of mine who was a paralegal studying in law schools, working as a paralegal in a law firm that specialized in wills and estate planning and in insurance along with estate planning, all that kind of thing, just by, not coincidence, but by favor, I believe. And this friend, I just reached out, and I didn't even know that at the time. I knew that they were in a paralegal, so I didn't know what kind of firm they were in. I said, here's what's going on. <laughs> I don't know what to do. I said, I don't know how I'm going to pay for it. I'm going to pay for all this. I was just, it was not good. And I remember this friend telling me, let me just check with them and see what's going on. I'll get back to you. But they did. Called me back and said they told me that if they, I'd put all the stuff together, they'd check it and make sure and edit it, and then I could do it. But they would do it, and it would be no charge to you. Thank God. Thank you for doing that. Because that relieved a little bit of a burden. But then I still had to answer a big questionnaire of all these things that my dad's about his estate or about how things are going to be divvied up. And we had to get all these answers so they could put it in a will. And here I am, going through that whole process, scared to death, worried that I'm going to lose my dad. Many of us have faced things like this. I'm not saying I'm alone. I thank God that I didn't at that time. But I'll never forget this. The room where my father was in was in the corner of this hospital floor. And there was a hall that went this way, and there was a hall that went that way. And down that hallway, you could see, I, there was a chair where I was sitting. You could see all the way down that hallway. There was doctors and nurses and different people walking around the hallway. And I was there, as many of our family members was in and out, you know, hanging out there visiting. And I was reading a magazine. I'll never forget, I was reading a magazine. And I just happened to look up and look down that hallway at the time. And my friend came around that corner. They came with just like this. It was like I was looking down. If I was back in that highway here and I was looking down, and this was the wall of the corner. And I just happened to look up, and right when I did, they're walking around that corner with a big file folder in their arm. Let me tell you something. At that moment, I didn't need all the answers that were in the file. I didn't need to know all the details of what the will said or what the life insurance was and what the answers to the questions that I had been asking were. All I know is when that person came around the corner, you could go and look at the cliche, I am so happy to see you. Because there was somebody coming toward me, and as I got up and walked towards them, they didn't say, here's the answers. What they said is, here I am. I'm putting my arms around you. I love you. I'm here to help. I wasn't looking, even though I didn't know it at the time. I was not looking for answers. I was looking for a person. Let me tell you this story really quick. There's a guy named Frederick Beaker. He's a preacher, a minister, an author, a theologian. He told this story. And and this is him, but there's a story, and I'm going to show you a picture of a guy looking at the stars. And this is what he said in this story about imagining how God would intervene in our, in our universe. He said this, and I'm quoting and reading. Suppose, for instance, that God were to take the 
great dim river of the Milky Way as we see it from down here flowing across the night sky. And we're to brighten it up a little and then rearrange it so that all of a sudden one night the world would step outside and look up at the heavens and see not the usual haphazard scattering of stars, but written out in letters light years tall, the sentence, Yes, I really exist. Yes, I really exist. What if that happened? And he goes on to say that every night maybe it'd be rearranged and there'd be a different message and a different story that was being told and that God was writing in the stars the answers to the questions that we have. Churches would overflow. We wouldn't have church here. We couldn't. We'd have to rent the football stadium or the arenas. Crime would go down. Calm and peace would come over the world. Why? Because there it is. Okay, that's what I've been looking for. I've been looking for the answer. But he goes on to say, Beaker does, in this story, that what would it be at some point, it may just be a child chewing on a piece of bubble gum. At some point, there's going to be a word, and that word's going to be, okay, God exists. What difference does it make? What difference does it make? I'm still dealing with all the stuff I'm dealing with. It doesn't change anything. Okay, I know it exists. Okay, it's there. Here's the thing. What difference does it make? It would change everything. And then people, slowly but surely, no matter if this was there or not, would start going back to the things that we do. And you know why it is? Because we aren't looking for answers. We're looking for a person. We're looking for a person that we know that isn't just out there in the stars somewhere. We're looking for a person who's in the thick of our lives with us side by side, going before us, working to our good, handling things for us, and standing by us as a faithful friend, just like we heard saying in the song today. He calls me friend. Just like we said today, he's a good, good father. We're looking for a person, not an answer. That's what the wise man knew. That's what the magi found that night. They were looking at stars leading them to a place looking for answers. And what they found was a crib in a barn. And the crib in the barn contained a person, a child, the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. That person is who they found, not the answers, the person. And they worshipped him. They worshipped him. They were looking for an answer. Maybe the answer you're looking for today isn't an answer, I tell you. What you're looking for today is a person. You're looking for Jesus. You are looking for Emmanuel, which means God with us. Say that with me. God with us us. And it's not just us. God with me. Say that to yourself right now. Just say, God with me. God with me. That's who I'm looking for. I'm looking for the person, not the answer. I'm looking to have God with me. That's greater than any answer that can ever be given to me. It's the person. God with you. God with us. In the heartbreak. In the breakup, in the divorce, in the depression, in the mess.
us in the crazy things of this world that we don't understand. God with us in the financial difficulty that we face. God with us in the challenge. God with us in the fight. God with us. As Pastor was saying, I believe this is true. That's, that's prophetic. God with us in the decisions. We're looking not for the answers. We're looking for the person. And we're looking for God with us in the decisions, in the challenging, in the trials, in the difficulties, wherever it is. That's who we're looking for is that person of Jesus Christ. And he is here in this place today. And I'm going to ask you to stand with me right now. And as you do, we're not going to have anything beyond this except just a very quick call. As they sing, I'm going to ask you, if you're looking and thought you came in here today looking for answers to whatever it is about decisions, about issues, about difficulties, about upcoming financial things, about your job, about your family. I don't care what it is. If you were looking for 